0: Every company has one. The place where the hats with the wrong logo are hidden from sight. The empty office where the bags that miss the event date are banished. The storage room where the shirts with the smeared imprints are entombed. It's called the Closet of Shame. And every promotional products distributor has a story about making an unwanted contribution. In this podcast, those stories will be shared and the impact on the client relationship will be explored. The Closet of Shame is available only at Promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's your host, Bill Petrie. And welcome to this episode of The Closet of Shame. I'm your host, Bill Petrie, here at Promo Corner. And we have a really great guest today, but before we get to him, I want to thank our sponsor, Citadel Brands. If you're looking for fantastic apparel, and frankly, who isn't? If you're looking for fantastic apparel that is specifically made for printing and embellishing, look no further than our friends at Citadel Brands. Their 100% cotton face on all their fleece garments are designed specifically for branding and embellishment. That's what they're built for. So you know they're going to take that decoration perfectly. Their goal is simple. They want to be the canvas that expresses the thoughts and ideas to you and your customers. So if you want to learn more, and I know you do, go ahead and head over to CitadelBrands.com. You won't be sorry that you did. So I did mention that we have a great guest today, and we do. And I always say that. When it's Kirby, I don't mean it. When it's this person, I actually mean it. This would be One of my really good friends in the industry, Dr. Ben Taylor from BamBams. Now I've known Ben for a few years now and we've become really good friends. Ben is the chief marketing officer over at BamBams and has really shifted the conversation of what was a great company into truly an industry leader in BamBams and really looking to add or has added different product lines, different marketing tactics. And there is no one who has more expertise when it comes to digital and traditional marketing in our industry than one Ben Taylor. Ben, thanks for your willingness to be on the silliness with me today. Well, thank you for uh,
1: inflating my ego more than it needs to uh, to be. I uh, always appreciate time with you, Bill, and uh, I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, appreciate it, and uh, I don't mind inflating your ego because you do such a great job. Um, I think you've definitely elevated the ba- uh, Bam Bam's brand, and I know that I love to see what you guys are going to come up with next. So it's it's fun to watch. I appreciate that, man. So it's I think we talked about. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and the more I wax poetic, the more hollow it is. Just remember that. So it's like my soul. It just like you you have a soul? That's awesome. <laughs>
1: hey, tell me what I
0: mean. Yeah, you have to tell me what that's like. We are recording this on Halloween. Um, so this podcast, The Clause of Shame, I, I always like to share for people who are first-time listeners when I was a distributor. One of my go-to lines when I would walk into a presentation as I was setting up or getting ready, you know, I hate the small talk, the weather, this, that, and everything. I'd say, hey, where's your closet of shame? And they'd kind of look at me and I'd say, I know somewhere in this facility is a closet where you keep all the bad merchandise you've bought over the last few years. The stuff that didn't make it on time for the event, the products that, Uh, were decorated with not quite the right pms color or there was a spelling mistake there's a place you would that you keep that that product because you don't know what to do with it and invariably i'd get a laugh and almost i cannot remember one time where someone didn't have some sort of closet of shame a lot of times in this podcast we've really explored from the distributor's perspective right they're the ones on the front lines they're the one that has to deal with a mistake whether it's their mistake the client's mistake or sometimes the supplier's mistake Ben, the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is you are the one that a panicky distributor is going to call when something has gone wrong. Um, and so, when you get those phone calls, what's your first response when a, when a distributor calls you, something gone wrong? You probably don't even know where the the uh, the mistake happened. What's your first response? How do you initially address that?
1: Well, my first response is really shit. Um, <laughs> It's what happened. Um, and then it start, and it's starting to, to, uh, to start uncover it all really, <clears throat> excuse me. It's, uh, <clears throat> as a supplier, you know, there's especially a supplier in our position, even, which is a lot of suppliers where sometimes we're the manufacturer of record and sometimes we're just the facilitator to the manufacturer. Right. <clears throat> and so then that opens up another variable. And so really we like to look at it from approach of uh, partnership. Um, we are, uh, our distributors partner we intend to be our distributors partner and I feel like for me if I don't take that approach uh, it's very easy to get selfish and try to push blame and uh, that's in my experience uh, and bad experience a very bad way to go
0: about uh, solving this problem no, no question but in, in initially in my experience a lot of dis- distributors will the first thing unfortunately they do is try to assign blame It's not. Let's fix the problem. It's who's at fault because they're going to pay for it. Is that your experience as well?
1: Yes, I feel. I I don't. I don't want to say all distributors because no, no, no. But but the
0: no, but there's. I think I think that's especially small distributors who it's their money that's on the hook. Yeah, you know, and 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 so a a lost order of three, four, five thousand dollars, that's real money to them. Oh, not that it's not real money to you or me or anybody else, but I mean, I, th- I think it's human natures. So, oh my gosh, who's responsible for this because I can't afford to pay for this.
1: Yeah. And you know, I can, I can't speak for all suppliers, obviously, but you know, I know in Bam Bam's situation, um, or from Bam Bam's perspective, we're going to go through and make sure that we own it and take the blame. I can give you one very specific example.
0: Oh, um, I love it. Fire away.
1: So this past year, um, uh, buddy uh, Adam uh, Walterscheid from T-Shirt Tycoon and I launched this problem, this solution called Colab.
0: I'm almost, familiar with this solution.
1: I, I almost said problem called Collab. Colab is not a problem, it is a solution. No. Uh,
0: no, yeah, that would be the worst commercial ever, by the way. <laughs> Are you looking for a problem for your promotional product <laughs> solutions? Because we've got it.
1: <laughs> Call Ben and Bam Bams. They'll really sneak it up for you. Uh, no. That's right. Um, no, so we launched this solution called Colab, and our goal with it was to provide a, an additional level of creative with an, with an additional level of product sourcing and product development um, through a single PO. And right. it's, it, this is still happening, don't get me wrong, but we launched it with probably the most difficult client on the planet, the most difficult project on the planet. On a, you know, a difficulty scale, it was 12 out of 10, um, but it was a ton of fun to work on. Unfortunately, I can't share the client, but I will give you details.
0: Right? Okay. Uh, and I'm not going to ask because I am a professional broadcaster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. Not putting me in a compromising situation. Not at all. Uh, so we basically we had to do 122,000 uh, different pieces of merchandise that was going to go across.
0: Five different continents, thirty-two different countries, in thirty days. Holy and, cow! Yep. That is incredibly complex. It, and just, just, so, just to ask a quick question: Was yep. any of it apparel? Because then you're, now you're introducing sizing.
1: Oh, absolutely. A lot of it was
0: apparel. Um, oh my gosh!
1: And so, you know, it was apparel. It was hard. To, so it was onesies, t-shirts, hoodies, lapel pins, bandanas, fanny packs, socks, scarves. Um, it, it went across the board, right? and it was a worldwide promotion right um a promotion that was going to get a ton of attention on influencers a promotion that got picked up by our industry and had multiple articles written about it um it was big 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 deal right well Mm -hmm. it turns out that we had to pass specific testing uh what is called reach testing reach testing is for the european union and uh it think of it like prop 65 but for the european union got it so when we went to produce these uh, fanny packs, the first time we sent a specific sample, uh, a spec sample, and it was approved. And uh, that was all good and well. The problem was is when it was approved, we didn't know that uh, it was going to have to pass this testing, so the the correct materials to pass this testing weren't used. Oh, no. Therefore, um, in that situation, it does not matter that the client approved it, that the d- the distributor approved it, the manufacturer ends up taking the blank. And, right,
0: absolutely. And
1: you know, Bam, bams the manufacturer record in that case, and so we end up taking the blame, right? So we said, okay, we're gonna fix this. And Adam and I scrambled and scrambled, and Eric from from T-shirt tycoon and and, and uh, our distributor client, and his team, you know, for for fifteen days, we were up till three, four o'clock in the morning every single night working on this project. Um, because it, and the reason I say I share that is it's you know it's my position personally. Uh, and bam bam's position something that i, I learned from day one working for my father was that uh, we are going to be a partner and it does not matter what it takes we are going to get you across the finish line so that you don't lose your client or look like an ass in front of them but so we're up you know all night getting this getting this project up, up across the board what well, turns out that our client had to push the promotion a worldwide promotion 30 days because they they couldn't go live without these thirty-eight hundred pieces because they were there was already pre-done photo shoots and, uh, you know, social media influencers content out there and they couldn't have somebody showing up to get this piece of merchandise that wasn't there. So Mm -hmm. they pushed pushed this worldwide promotion 30 days and uh, wow. And it turns out that we caught a bill, a six figure bill from them. Um, not even, so not only did we not get paid on the project and we, and we built it, um, losing money there. Um, we caught a six figure bill to make right because of lost revenue that they claimed from the project.
0: Well, Well, and and I just interject, you know, I knew you were going through this at the time, did not know the client, um, still don't know the client. I have no idea who it is, but I remember you just burning the candle at both ends. I remember, you know, I would get emails from you at 345 in the morning, like, what's he doing at 345 in the morning on a Tuesday? I remember how much of a... Calorie burn that you and Adam and and, and um, Eric Clapp and and you guys were going through a, a kind of a, a river of shit, for lack of a better term, to try to make this right. Yeah, no,
1: I mean, a river of shit would be a
0: um, an understatement.
1: But at the same time, we also had you know uh, a, an account executive at, at on the distributor level that was busting his butt and doing everything he could to, to make, to make it work, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, calling the client doing everything they can. The problem is, is when you're dealing with, you know, with global brands, uh, you know, corporate 25 brands, um, uh, you know, that's, there's, there's very specific expectations. And, uh, you know, ultimately it's the supply chain screwed it up. Um, right. You know, and it screwed up on multiple levels. It screwed up on communication. It screwed up on, Uh, you know, I, I'll be frank and say it that, you know, that we didn't know that the, the, uh, the test we had to pass, if we knew Mm -hmm. the test we had to pass from beforehand, we would have never been in this situation, period, Right. plain and simple. So you can equally put that on the distributor as you can, the suppliers, I should have asked the question, they should have asked the question, you know, Right. it is what it is. Um, from our experience, you know, we know, we know better and, uh, and so they, um, you know, and, uh. It should be a it should be a shared blame, um, but you know I think it's something that as suppliers and distributors that we should share in together. If it's a situation like that, if the supplier screws up, well they better open their fricking wallet and pay for it and save face for their for the distributor. Now, right. I, I can tell you, I'll be mean, the first one. If you if you're going to lose an account because of something I did, I'm going to get my butt on an airplane and fly to your account with you.
0: Um, which I know you have done, by the yeah, way. Which I, I think is a huge testament to the way you know the word partnership and we we've talked about it pers- privately and now we're talking about it publicly the word partnerships throw around way too easily in our industry um but when you're willing to get your your butt on a plane and go hours possibly overseas to make sure that things are going to go right that's the definition of partnership right we can all say it but it's the actions behind it
1: it is and, and it, you know there's points in time where you know I've screwed that up too, and it's going to happen, right? But the, the, the point in, in, in any screw-up, and I think in any closet of shame, ultimately, um, whether it be the supplier, the distributor, the end user, uh, is owning the mistake and being honest with yourself about it um, and honest with your client about it, and uh, working together to fix it. You know, it's uh, to-
0: totally agree. Important. No, I totally agree, and especially, again, something that's so complex and such large-scale, um, and and you're not talking about a single point of distribution at all. You're talking about the exact opposite of that. You know how how many distribution points were there for the merchandise, Ben? Oh, geez. Um, ball ballpark it. Oh,
1: uh, six distribution points, six manufacturing points, I should say. No. Right,
0: but then distribution points. So for the actual merchandise, where it was going to be. Oh, oh, distributed.
1: Like, I said, like I said, we we drop shipped to. Oh, I don't know many dozens of different places um, right and different combinations of that and then sort of the distributor i mean the just one of the distributor strong points is was sending out uh, to these distribution points and you know project-wide there was hundreds and hundreds of distribution points that we had to make happen in 30 days It mm-hmm. uh, all fit in that timeline of production and shipping and delivery and everything else um and all and ultimately we, my, less than, less 3,800 pieces, we did it in 30 days. And I think that's something to be proud of too. I mean, I can hang my hat on that and say, we busted our butt and got that across the board, but ultimately, um, you know, there was a point of failure in that at the same time.
0: There there is, And, you know, the kind of the uh, overarching theme that's run through this podcast series is the importance of communication. And I know, you know, when things started going a little sideways with this project, you were in, I, I know it was at least daily, and my guess is closer to hourly, communication with your distributor partner so that uh, you guys could see this through to the end so that the end user client was, was at the end of all of this, not just satisfied, but but delighted with how things went.
1: Yeah, um, I could say that, and I can't say that they were delighted, <laughs> but they they were most certainly uh, pissed off. But at right. the same time, I think they, they respected and appreciated that we got it across the board and... Uh, And, uh, you know, we delivered ultimately, you know, their client, their end user uh, does things a very specific way and they expect things a very specific way. And, uh, and that's, that's off, you know, as both the supplier and the distributor, that's how we, who we have to please.
0: And uh, that's, they're also
1: a part of that partnership chain because we are their supply chain. And, uh, you know, that's, that's so important to your point.
0: Yeah, so let me ask you this: So when it, when a, when a distributor has something go wrong, and things do go wrong, what advice would you give them on how to approach their supplier? And we'll use the word partner, their supplier partner to rectify the situation. Bring all of the details.
1: The most important thing is the details. We don't need the he said she said. We don't need the whodunits of the world. We need details. We need, and and we need solutions, right? We. we as suppliers, we want to be your solutions provider, but at the same time, we want to hear what your solutions are too, because ultimately, you know the situation best. You know your, your client, you know the details of the project, whether it's for an event, a promotion, for retail, it does not matter, right? You know the details. Uh, so let's work together on it. And then, you know, we'll, we'll work with you to provide multiple solutions if possible, but we really need to hear what you need out of it first. And uh, that's the easiest way to start.
0: You know, that's one of my favorite pieces of advice I think I've actually heard on this podcast series. And it's one I've always tried to adhere to. When things go wrong, when I offer solutions to my client, they generally feel like they're being disenfranchised. When I ask them, hey, what do we need to do to make this right? Invariably, they are more creative with the solutions. And generally, those solutions are less costly to me. Generally, Yeah, when you give that, you know, I I do believe we're in an economy where the end user customer craves more control over the buying process than ever. I mean, think about Amazon, right? Yeah, uh, or, you know, perfect example here. Think about uh, I just bought a car from Carvana, and I've talked about that in a blog and a couple other things. I had control for the first time I've ever remembered when I purchased a a car or vehicle. I had complete control over the buying process until it was delivered to me, complete control. I didn't have to wait for uh, the salesperson to go to his manager and all those things. It, I love that control and I think our end user audience is now expecting that kind of control as well. And so when you kind of seed control over the uh, the full resolution of the issue and you give the end user client an opportunity to help you solve that problem. First of all, they feel engaged and that's a very important thing. But second of all, like we said, it's generally more cost effective and they'll be happier in the long run because they participated in the resolution of the issue.
1: Well, And that's, and that's was my next point. And you just said it. If we are not partners in this situation, right? If, if let's, let's, let's take a scenario, right? Let's take this, actually, let's take the scenario that I just gave, right? Ultimately, right. that was on both of us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if we are not partners in that, it's going to not only stress our relationship moving forward, um, but it's no one's going to have learned the, the hard lesson that they need to learn in right. order to make themselves a better business person. Um, no question. And, you know, shouldn't that be our goal? I mean, that's I, that's got to be all of our goals. We're trying to grow as people. We're trying to grow our businesses. And right. we're trying to make them, you know, build more effective relationships um, with our clients and our supply chain. And, um, you know, if, if we're going to do that as true partners, then we do own it. We have Absolutely. To
0: own it Absolutely. And I would argue you have a better opportunity to strengthen and build a relationship when things go wrong and you fix them appropriately than when things always go right.
1: Amen to that.
0: Yeah. So, Okay. So I like to ask one question, a couple questions, as we wrap up. Great story, Ben. That, that's fantastic. So, distributors, when you think about the most complex project you've worked on, I would love to hear you top that because that is the most complex order I've ever been aware of in our industry. And I'm, I'm sure there's been others, but I'm talking about me personally. So I, either I live a very sheltered life, or everybody else is in the same boat I am. So I would let love me ask
1: to hear you. the stories to make me feel better about myself. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> yeah. All Please we share all. them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we all want to feel better, Ben. So let me ask you this. What is the worst client merchandise you've ever seen, whether you created it or not? I don't really care about that. What's the worst client merchandise where you've seen it and you're like, oh, oh, that's just horrific?
1: Yeah, two years ago at the Virginia Craft Beer Festival, um, I was walking around. As you know, I like some. To, to imbibe every once in a while bill and
0: uh, i do know you enjoy the occasional uh, adult libation
1: you know it is, it is it's quite refreshing well on this day it was uh um, well, i don't know let's call it you know is it virginia august right and so it was probably 100 degrees with you know 90 to 95 percent humidity so it's real feel like a buck 10. And, right uh, we're walking around in the hot sun of charlottesville virginia which is beautiful however this was right during uh, all of those protests uh, mm-hmm. the first time around. Okay. And, uh, so all the, oh, the white pride, KKK, nonsense right. protests in Charlottesville. And it's at the Craft Beer Festival. So um, pe- people's uh, people were a bit tense. Let's just put it that way.
0: Anyway. They're maybe on edge. Maybe on edge. On edge. Yes, on edge.
1: The better choice of words, Bill. Thank you. Um, oh,
0: I, I try, Ben. So we're walking
1: in and... and uh, we had VIP tickets because we didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to spend all day out in the hot sun. So we upgraded our tickets so we could get in this VIP tent that had misters and no beer lines and uh, came with this this swag bag that um, somebody I personally know in the industry made and uh, so on and so forth. Well, I'm opening this swag, this swag bag and it's August mm-hmm. and uh, I was given a long sleeve Gildan Heavy cotton t shirt with a eight color print on the front. And uh, anyway, I was like, Well, this isn't gonna do me any good once I swept through my first shirt today. Right. I thought, okay. Anyhow, I, I just was I was shocked, right? Like, here's if there's one and the reason I'm so shocked about this shirt, if there's one thing the brewing industry does better than most. It's produce really nice merchandise, right? If right. They really no do a good job.
0: If they understand their audience, and the branding's usually on point. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and they and they don't buy shit. They, right. They, they buy good merchandise, and and so you know I expected to get um, you know some high quality private labeled nice piece of merchandise. And uh, as I'm walking around visiting these different brewery, these different breweries booths and tents at this beer festival, I'm seeing all this beautiful merchandise, and then I'm looking at the people who put the event on, handing out crap. Yep. And, and I'm like, what a waste of money. What a piece of crap. No one wants to put the shirt and feel like they're wearing plastic on their chest. And, no. and you know, and I, I said to the guy afterwards, I said, man, why did you do this? And I, I was, I, I felt bad asking him, but I, I just, you know, I said. You yeah. had
0: to though. You couldn't stop yourself. No, it
1: just came out of my mouth. And, uh, you know, my wife was sitting there staring at me like, shut up, Ben. And, right uh
0: but i I've ne- a, by the way i've never gotten that look <laughs> no no ever <laughs> and so i'm
1: sitting and i'm just like buddy you know i've known you for eight years nine years whatever it is and what why did you do this you mm-hmm. you're the guy that wears all the beer t-shirts that's right. why you put on this this event and now this is what you did and you made a, a crappier experience for your for your patrons and he said oh well when we were putting the sponsors together they Nobody wanted to pay the extra money for the for it, and I said, I just looked at him. I said, the next time, don't frickin' do a shirt, sure, man. No, <laughs> don't do it. Just find something else. Call, call your 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 distributor and uh, and you know put a solution together. That was I, was, I was pissed.
0: Yeah, I don't blame. Yeah, and and that's one of those ones. It's not you know on the surface not horrible, no. but given the moment, given the audience, absolutely, um, I, I would argue almost inappropriate. I would almost argue inappropriate. I, I you know, it t- pays to know your target audience. All right, so let me ask you one final question, Ben, as we wrap up this episode of The Closet of Shame. Yes, sir. What is the one piece of merchandise you would never ever sell a client because you know it's going to end up in their closet of shame?
1: Oh, <laughs> well. Um, I've got a couple pieces of merchandise. I now, of you that you know
0: what? It's your dime, your dance floor. You tell me four if you want. Tell me 12. Well, <clears throat> I would say...
1: I guess one is, uh, and and no offense, iClick. Um, no offense, uh, not iClick. It's not the pop socket, but no offense, the pe- people who make the cell phone ring because we used to make the cell phone ring. Uh, right. It's it's just a junky, it, it's just a junky product that d- has poor branding uh, positioning on it. Uh, it doesn't last very long, and mm-hmm. uh, it's easy to screw up. And uh, a lot of times, when uh, when clients receive it, they see it online. They they see it, maybe one spec sample where they see it and they're like, this is junk. And that's, that's one. And and then the second one is, uh, uh, like at, at the adhesive back phone screen cleaners. Mm-hmm. I, I hate those things. I, I actually gave them away at a trade show two years ago and I was so pissed at myself. I
0: told myself I'd never sell it or do it again. Wow. Well, you know, it's interesting. Cause a lot of people will, will say, Hey, you know, you got to, uh, you got to do things that are attached to people's phones. And oh, I, I, you do. I do agree with that on, on, on the surface. Things that are phone accessories, I think, are huge, strong products in our industry. Certainly. But when it comes to covering your phone, um, whether it's a case, whether it's you know, what you're talking about, any sort of you know, knockoff-type pop socket, things like that, and the, it, it, those things are incredibly personal. To me, it's like, it's like a woman's purse. I would never buy my wife a purse because I know I'd screw that up. <laughs> it's hard to uh, take something that is basically a fashion accessory now in, in, a phone, in a phone case and hit a target audience to the point where the majority of them are going to be pleased with what you gave them. I think you end up running the risk of a lot of them not being used because, hey, I, I already got a phone case. Why do I need to st- attach this thing to my phone?
1: Yeah, well, you know, first I'm going to pat myself on the back and said, "Say I will buy my uh, my wife a purse because I think I'm fashionable with with ladies' handbags." Well, I think that's <laughs> I just...
0: another podcast, Ben, but I would like to explore that, <laughs> that at a time s- of my choosing.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. That being said, um, I agree with you. You know, the phone is personal, but it's not. It's it's not just that it's personal. It's that. You know, over the BamBams has built. Let me let me preface this, what i was about to say by saying this: BamBams yeah. has built this business by sourcing, manufacturing, adding adding different products to the product line, and not always high quality products. Products mm-hmm. that are effective for the distributor and the promotion that needs to be used for, right? Right. They, those products have its place. Since I've come on board, I've been my main goal to shift focus to stop doing crap, um, mm-hmm. because ultimately, if you want your brand to have a good position, if you want it to get. It's, it's a really good lifetime value. Tons and tons of impressions, which is technically what you're making this for unless exactly. it's for a retail purpose. Then you produce high-quality stuff. The phone is one of the best places to get impressions because ev- people don't put their phone in their pocket anymore. They walk it around right. when they sit down at a table and put it on a table. It is personal, though. Um, I, I do agree with you on that. But if you're going to do phone, do a freaking box from Roger. You know, like right. – Do something good. Pop sockets, even a good, a good, a good thing. People love their pop sockets, right? Yeah, they do. Just make. I'm not, and I'm not knocking that. You know, Uh, I wish that uh, I would have had that opportunity because I most certainly would have taken it. You know, if if, if it was presented to us instead of,
0: right? You know, that being said, um,
1: my point in that is just don't, don't make crap.
0: I I think yeah, you, you hit it on the head, and and it you know it can be effective. It's just it's just such personal stuff. You really have to, you know. Understand your audience and really understand what they're wanting to do with it. Well, Ben, we are at the end of our time. I hope this was fun for you. I know it was fun for me. It was a
1: jolly good time, man. I, I really enjoyed it.
0: I I did too, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank our sponsor, in Citadel Brands again. Their uh, apparel is made specifically for printing and embellishing. So go ahead and uh, go over to CitadelBrands.com. Remember, their goal is super simple. They want to be the canvas that expresses the ideas of your customers, and I really love that as a turn of phrase. So citadelbrands.com, you won't be disappointed. Ben, always a pleasure to speak with you, my friend, and I look forward to chatting with you soon. Yeah, man, the pleasure. was half mine. Thank you for listening to The Closet of Shame. The Closet of Shame is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing and media for the promotional products industry.